welcome welcome back to the ape academy podcast act protect engage we are the number one history podcast on all freaking platforms thank you for joining us today we are talking about the warrior cults of the aztecs very secretive very legendary please sit back relax and enjoy our podcast thank you for tuning in all we ask is that you listen up learn something new keep an open mind and that you rate review if you have time of course and subscribe thank you so much ape Alright guys, what you're hearing right now is from the ancient Mexican, the beautiful tradition of ancient Mesoamerican Mexican music, okay? This album is called Codex, Ancient Americas. And this is kind of going to be our soundtrack for this episode, okay? Because I really want you guys to, to feel like you're living back then and, you know... I want to bring history to life and because history is my passion and it's, it's beautiful we can learn so much from our ancestors and remember no matter what race you are whatever ethnic background you are indigenous people have built this world from the ground up and we're all connected in some way guys remember that all right so Thank you for joining me on this beautiful pre-Thanksgiving day. I hope you guys, if you're traveling, right, if you're listening to this on the road, on a plane, on a train, please be safe. I hope you guys are having a great trip, and I hope you are looking forward to enjoying your holiday season with your loved ones. Okay. Um, so, what have we been talking about? What have we been, we have been talking about lately? I'm sorry, bumbling and bumbling. We've been talking about the Aztecs. Okay, we've been talking about how they came to be, where they freaking came from, right? What their legacy was, you know, as far as in Mesoamerica, right? In the Mexican country. Um, how they built their legacy, how they built their empire. And they built it a few ways uh one they built it through economic strength okay they had a really vibrant strong economy and it was based on kind of innovative ways of farming innovative techniques of irrigation they were masters of irrigation masters of infrastructure so they were able the Aztecs were able to kind of figure out a way to channel their their environment right their natural resources because remember Tato's teach line, which is their capital, was built in the middle of a swamp. So that, you know, you would think normally be like, man, why would you want to be in a swamp all the time? Like, sounds awful, right? I mean, in the middle of a boggy, hot, wet swamp. But they were able to build um, bridges 
what they did was they used earth, right? They they used like earthworks, right? Earthworks to kind of build up and pack up soil. So they built like like land bridges that connected different parts of their city to each other. Even though they're separated by water, different segments of the city, you were able to easily kind of get back and forth, right? So it didn't feel like anyone was isolated, which was really important. Um, so they got economic power. You got irrigation, farming, maize, right? Corn. Um, and, you know, they were in a kind of like a natural... Um, habitat where there was just loads of game just rich wildlife so we got waterfowl we have you know fish a ton of fish so there are masters of fishing farming irrigation and trade right they traded with all these surrounding city states and in the, in the surrounding towns so they had a really strong and vibrant central market so the central market was right in the middle of tato's teach line right right in the middle the heart of the city it's where they had a lot of their rituals so whether it be their sacrifices to the gods, right, to appease the gods, whether it be their, their ritual gladiator games, whether it be celebration, dancing, celebrating, festivals, feasts, everything was in the center of the city, all right, and near the marketplace. So they had, you know, they had the irrigation going, they had the farming going, they had the hunting and fishing going, right? And they also had the trade going, right? So those were kind of the pillars of their strength. They were able to supply huge freaking massive huge massive armies of men right we're talking six figures easily hundred thousand men and they were do they were able to do this because they had the supplies they had the logistical resources and the support chain the supply chain to feed that many people right economics key right number one numero uno is economics in order for a a uh empire to grow right and to conquer and, and to dominate you have to have a strong economic base first okay then you know the secondly was their military right they were masters of 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 fighting of um organizing their military we're going to talk about that today with the warrior societies okay today's episode is called the equal the equal <laughs> the equal the eagle and the jaguar that's what the jaguar and the eagle combined sounds like the eagle the eagle and the jaguar, the ancient warrior cults of the Aztecs. Okay, pretty freaking awesome. A lot of people wanted to wanted to uh, listen to this podcast, and we're looking forward to it. So here it is, y'all. Part two. This is the um, conclusion of the Aztecs. It might be a little bit longer because I want to move on after the Aztecs to some of the great tribes of North America, the Comanches and the Lakota. And so I'm gonna try to tackle both of those before the end of November. Wish me luck on that because each has a rich history, okay? So I'm gonna try, May. I'm gonna try, May. First things first, before I freaking forget, um, today's episode is brought to you by Bravo Concealment Holsters. They offer the best tactical inside the waistband and outside the waistband holsters on the market check them out at bravo concealment on instagram bravoconcealment.com on the world wide web they're also on facebook um use code 810 ape10 at checkout to get 10 percent off okay guys we need sponsors everyone needs sponsors all right also the uscca united uh, states concealed carry association 
the number one Second Amendment advocacy organization in the country. The NRA are freaking old goats, man. They're old news. The, join the new kids on the block, right? Go to uscca.com, guys. Lego. All right. So the warrior cult of the Aztecs. Pretty awesome. Um, I'm not going to go over what we talked about last time because that's going to freaking take up an hour. So if you guys really want to know about where the Aztecs came from, what kind of like their lineages or their history or their language of um, their tribal kind of origins, go back to Destiny Fulfilled, the Aztec origin story, which is the episode before the bonus episode, right? So it's two episodes back. Check that one out. It's a really good one. It's an epic podcast. Today is also going to be epic. Okay, so let's go over the Aztec uh, society real quick, the war society uh, as it was constructed. As we know, as we have de- kind of drawn from their sources, from their ancient sources, from primary sources, right? And also the work of a lot of great historians through the years. Okay, so this is what we know. All right. The Aztecs had four basic classes in their society right so remember every great empire every great society has naturally classes if you don't it's communism and communism has never succeeded and it will never succeed so there's four classes in Aztec society the nobles the commoners the serfs and the slaves so pretty much the only two classes in Aztec society that had any type of power were the nobles and the commoners, all right? The serfs were kind of like servants, right? They weren't slaves, but they weren't at the level of a commoner, right? They were a servant. So maybe if you're lucky, you can move up into the commoner class. Maybe your, your, your employer released you from your obligation to them and you could become a commoner, but most were kind of going to be servants their whole life. And then obviously the slaves, which were mostly... Um, captured enemies from enemy um, empires, enemy city-states who weren't sacrificed. Most of them were... <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't laugh at that. That was, that was dark. Sacrifice. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> um, I was laughing at that because I was like, man, like, if you weren't sacrificed, you were a slave, it's like, life sucked like, back then. Like, God. If you were an enemy of the Aztecs, man, look out. Oh, man. All right. So the only way to really move up and down the social well, up the social ladder, if you weren't a noble, say you're a commoner, was to become an elite warrior. Right. If you were in, uh, inducted into one of the two major Aztec military cults, a.k.a. military orders. All right. You remember we talked about the Knights Templar, how the Knights Templar were like a kind of like a military order, an uh, order of knights. This is an order of grunts, of infantry, of ground and freaking pounders, knuckle draggers, all right? There was no cavalry in the Aztec Empire. Everyone was a grunt. Everyone was a knuckle dragger, hand-to-hand melee, okay? That's what the Aztecs prided themselves on, the nitty-gritty, okay? Hand-to-hand stuff. On occasion, right? So say you distinguish yourself above your peers. You're the best of the best. Even if you weren't a noble, say you're a commoner, uh, you know, uh, uh, say you're a carpenter's son and you were drafted into the military, right? Because every every uh, Aztec 
male starting at 17 was trained for the military kind of like every israeli citizen at a certain age joins the military same thing in the aztec uh army and let's say you're a commoner and you're like a like a carpenter or something and you all of a sudden were like a super like soldier like you just went nuts and started like slaying enemies you could become a member uh of the warrior elite the jaguar the eagles right and you can even get a, a non-hereditary title bestowed on you, right? So on occasion, even honorary noble title, titles were awarded to the most battle-hardened commoner warriors. Okay? So that was rare. But if you were super bad ASS, I can't curse because I have a clean rating on, uh, <laughs> on Amazon. Pretty much on all platforms, I'm supposed to be quote-unquote clean. So it'd be like... If it was a video game, it'd be like EA for everyone or whatever. Is it? I think that's what it stands for. All you gamer guys, let me know. It's EA, right? Or E? Something like that. Okay. So basically, my son can listen to my podcast. That, that's in these six. Okay. So just, just keep that in mind. All right, guys. All right. So let's talk about the, the uh, warrior cults themselves. Okay. So there's two major. Uh, well, there are more than two. But when we get past those two, those... Anything past those two, which is the Eagle and the Warrior, is like the Delta Force of our army. So the American army has special, we have the normal army, we have the normal infantrymen, which is a bad ASS themselves. But then you got the Rangers, which is special forces. Then you got the Green Berets, and then we go up from there. Okay, so anything past the Jaguar and Eagle is kind of like past the Green Berets. So we're talking like Delta Force, maybe SEAL Team 6 if you're in the Navy. Um, the guys who killed bin Laden those type of guys. So we're gonna talk about those guys as well They're called the shorn ones s-h-o-r-n O-n-e-s shorn ones Okay, pretty cool name, right? All right, so the Jaguars Jaguar Warriors were called the Ocelok the Ocelok All right, that's their name Ocelok Jaguar Warriors these uh, these guys were members of the Aztec military elite. All right. So we have to remember back in the day when the Aztecs were running around, Jaguars were freaking everywhere. Okay. It was not like now where it's like, oh, it's rare to see a Jaguar. Jaguars were the apex or still are the apex predator of that area. Jaguars are actually my favorite big cat of all time. I think they're freaking the coolest they hunt caimans right they jump into lake into rivers and they actually kill crocodiles in their own habitat right in the crocodile's home the jaguar will jump in there and oh okay anyway yeah. i'm ranting anyway the jaguars were everywhere right and they were kind of worshipped right um so they were the apex predator so it was they wanted to embody and and they believed that the spirit of the jaguar would inhabit their bodies and they would become unbeatable on the battlefield right forces of nature like the jaguar right so in aztec culture the jaguar represented uh represented represented tezca tepoca tezca tepoca right a he was a central deity in the aztec religion okay his ceremony for tezcalapoca his ceremony, his ceremony was celebrated in the month of May, right? And he is associated with a wide range of concepts, uh, including, right? So he represented the night sky, 
the night winds, hurricanes, the north, for some reason, I don't know why he represented direction, the earth, obsidian, hostility, wow, discord, rulership, divination, temptation, jaguars, sorcery, beauty, war, and conflict. Holy crap, that's a lot of things. Imagine if you like represented it, represented, I keep saying represented it. Represented it, I'm talking like my son. My son's in town, he's six, he lives with my ex-wife. I'm gonna weigh too much, but when he's in town, I end up talking like him. <laughs> represented it. Imagine if, if your wife was like, hey man, hey buddy, hey Bob, you represent war, famine, love, sex, illness. You're just like, what in the world's wrong with you? You need to take a nap. Uh, so yeah, the Aztecs believed that Tezcatlipoca represented many things, but he was the central deity of the Jaztec warrior. Okay, they they loved that guy. His name in Nahuac, Nahuac, which is the Aztec language, is still spoken in some areas of Mexico today. His name, Tezcatlipoca, is often translated as "smoking mirror." So what that alludes to is his 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 connection to obsidian. Right, so obsidian is a volcanic glass, right? It's formed from actually volcanic lava. And it's a, it's sharper. It's, they say, what, it's like, I think it's six times or is it 12 times sharper? I think it's 12 times sharper than surgical steel. Some surgeons, they prefer obsidian to steel surgical cutting tools, okay? And they were used as weapons. The Jaguar warriors used them as weapons. They would put them on their war clubs uh, which we'll talk about later, okay? Uh, so, his name, Tezcatlipoca, uh, meant uh, smoking mirror, and it alluded to his connection to obsidian, okay? And they use obsidian to make mirrors, weapons, and they use them in rituals, many, many rituals, okay? Jaguar warriors wore jaguar pelts into battle, and they also wore wooden helmets in the shape of a jaguar's head okay so basically you're just like when you fought the aztec jaguar wars it was like you were fighting a jaguar five thousand jaguars which is probably terrifying and if you hear that you hear that scream in the background i did a video on the death whistle yesterday a bonus a bone a, a video a bonus episode on the death whistle imagine 5,000 Jaguar warriors marching towards you, all blowing into a death whistle. And then they have wooden wooden helmets that look like the Jaguar's head. And they were adorned in Jaguar pelts, meaning, you know, the Jaguar skin. Terrifying. I'm running. I'm pooping my, poopin my loincloth, and then I'm running, okay? <laughs> all right. Um, they believe that the animal's strength would be given to them during battles. So if they wore the, 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 um, the Jaguar pelt... And they adorn themselves in the symbols of Tezcatlipoca. The jaguar would 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 their primal spirit would be embodied through their fighting, right? And they would be victorious. Okay. Um, jaguar warriors fought on the front lines, right? We're talking. We're not talking like they were archers and they were shooting from like two hundred feet, two hundred yards away. We're talking hand to hand. You know, nitty gritty stuff, all right? Knuckle dragger, just like I like it. Um, their primary aim in battle was to capture their enemies. 
Okay, and I think I said this in the last podcast. Aztecs didn't want to kill you. Killing you was too easy. <laughs> Killing was sloppy. It was sloppy to them. They wanted to capture you alive. And the reason why they wanted to do that, not only was to show their individual skill in fighting, right? Because if they can beat you without killing you, that means they have total mastery of you, right? Over you, right? And they have total mastery of the ancient art of the battlefield. But also, the main reason why they didn't want to kill you right away, they wanted to freaking sacrifice you. Because their gods needed human blood to live. Their gods needed human blood to eat. Their gods needed human blood to make sure that they were appeased. The, the Aztecs wanted to appease their gods through sacrifice. If you didn't sacrifice enough, the gods were very angry at you. And the gods would cause famines, floods, hurricanes, uh, sickness, right? So you really wanted to capture as many war enemy warriors as possible. Okay. Um. Yeah, killing an enemy was seen as clumsy, man. You bumbling idiot! You killed him. You cut his head off. You're supposed to bash his head, not cut it off, right? Uh, yeah. It brought much more honor to capture enemy soldiers alive to present for sacrifice. Okay, so they fought with a wooden club. <laughs> this is gonna be good. I'm sorry if I screw up the names, right? They fought with a wooden club called a makaete. Makawate. Right? And there's different ways to pronounce it. Makalito, I've heard that. Makolito. I'm going to say Makawate. Makawate. It's translated as Hungry Wood, which is a dope name. <laughs> that is the coolest name ever. If you guys ever want to know one name, uh, Makatao. Makatao. Makawate, I'm sorry. Makawate looks like just Google it in, um, and it will pop up on eBay. There'll be a lot of like sites that will pop up, like traditional sites that sell kind of artifacts or recreations of artifacts, and it's dope. It's basically a gigantic club with obsidian freaking blades all around it, like stuck in it like a comb. It's awesome. Um, so the Aztecs, they, they, they didn't they didn't know anything about forging, so they didn't they didn't have any iron weapons, which definitely put them at a disadvantage against the Spaniards, which is you know outside of the scope of this podcast because we can talk about that for a long time. But just know that the Spaniards had a distinct advantage, and people say, well, how did 500 Spaniards defeat all those Aztecs? A lot of different reasons, but one of the main reasons was that their weapons were superior. Okay, they had steel swords, steel armor. And they also had firearms. Uh, primitive ones, but they still had firearms. Okay, so the Aztecs did not discover forging. So, they had no metal weapons. Instead, they had razor-sharp blades of obsidian, volcanic glass, which were fashioned to the sides of the club. These blades, these obsidian blades, were sharp enough to easily decapitate a human. Easily, no problem. And if you guys actually want to see them in action... I actually posted a video about a week ago, um, and or you could just YouTube it. Just YouTube it, Aztec Warriors, Aztec Weapons, and there's all type of videos of like people swinging the uh, the uh, hungry wood, and you'll just see the damage. Okay, it's crazy. There's actually a uh, a, a, a story from a, Sp a Spanish chronicle 
uh, chronicling the battle with the Aztecs. And they tell the tale of an Aztec warrior decapitating a gigantic war horse from the Span a Spaniard war horse with a single blow. Right? So the, the Spanish, a lot of what we learn about the Aztecs exactly um, through the Spanish, through the conquistadors. And they tell tales of fighting the Aztecs. And I remember one one story that I researched. They said that as they're... So just imagine this, this kind of like apocalyptic scene in, outside of Tato's teach line. Thousands of Aztec warriors in adorned in, in jaguar pelts and eagle feathers fighting a combined force of Spaniards and the enemies of the Aztecs. People say, oh, how did the Spaniards beat the Aztecs with 200 guys or 500 guys? Because they had allies. They used all the Aztecs' enemies to bring them down as well, not just them. But the entire time the Spaniards were battling hand-to-hand -hand with the Aztecs, there were gigantic Aztecs, Aztec war drums beating. Just boom, 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 boom. The entire battle. They said the, the, the war drums went... They, they, they didn't stop, right? So one of the Spaniards described it as sounds from hell itself. So as they were fighting the Aztecs, there were death whistles, drums. It must have been terrifying. I don't know how to shoot. I'm, you won't find me there. Screw that, man. I'm, I'm going to go guard the ships. All right. But it's just so cool how the Aztecs used a lot of intimidation to kind of give them the edge against their enemies. Fighting a bunch of jaguars is pretty scary. I don't know about you, but whatever. Okay, so they also use spears and a, uh, at Alti. Yeah. Atlati. That's what it is. Sorry, guys. Atlati. It's a spear thrower. Man, I could not pronounce that. I have this thick Philly accent, and then I talk like, uh, I have, uh, peanut butter in my mouth, so it's hard for me to pronounce some words. Um, it's a spear thrower. Basically, like, it's a tool that gives the spear a little extra oomph. Kind of like a sling. So, you, so you, you place the spear in the sling and you, and you fling it around in an arc, in a circle, or in an arc. And you fling it. And, and what it does is uh, it gives the spear or arrow a little extra velocity. Kind of like a slingshot. Uh, so to become a Jaguar warrior, a member of the Aztec army had to capture a total of four enemies from battle. So remember, the primary goal of an Aztec warrior was to capture, not kill enemies. So if you could capture four people alive for sacrifice, you became a Jaguar warrior, which is a super high honor. Like it's like today, if you like graduated from med school or law school or whatever, you became a police officer, like you're you're. Your family's so proud of you, right? Same thing if you become a Jaguar warrior. It's like, man, this my man captured four enemies. That's crazy. And that's pretty that's pretty admirable. Especially back then, with the savagery of you know hand-to-hand -hand combat. To capture them alive is nuts. Alright, y'all. We're at what? 28 minutes. We're gonna do a quick musical interlude. You know why? Because my voice is mind-numbing. So, I don't want to torture you guys with my voice for 30 straight minutes. See you soon. Ape.
Beautiful music, isn't it? I don't want you guys to fall asleep. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here, like, drifting off, like, uh, oh, oh, shit. Oh, yeah, I have a podcast. Oh, crap. All right, guys, we're back, man. Quick uh, little interlude about, I don't know, 15, 20, 30 seconds. Just a little, little break from my voice, mostly. I'm just getting over cold, so I got to give myself a break sometimes. All right, we're back with the Eagle Warrior. Kawaseloti. Kawaseloti. The Eagle Warrior. That's the name in Nawak. Kaawa Seloti. And I am slaughtering them. And I apologize for that. For all my Nawak speakers out there, all my Mexican brothers and sisters. I am sorry. I am slaughtering your beautiful language. I apologize. Blame Philadelphia. Okay, so this is the second of the two warrior classes. Alright. Only the bravest could be part of this one. Alright, guys. You're either a member of the nobility or you're a commoner who distinguishes themselves in battle. No exceptions. Okay. In Aztec mythology, the eagle was regarded as a symbol of the sun. Hence, the eagle warriors were warriors of the sun, which is pretty dope. Eagles were really held in high esteem. Remember that story I told you guys about how the Aztec chief god came to their elders and said, Go out into this lake. Go out into this lake surrounded by a swamp. And keep going until you see a eagle perched on top of a cactus eating a snake. That's when you'll know to stop and build your capital city. And that same emblem, that eagle perched on top of a cactus eating a snake is on the national flag of Mexico. Okay, so the eagle was held in really, really high regard in Aztec society. So to be a member of the Eagle Warriors, that was pretty dope. I mean... There's not a whole lot of honors higher than that, right? So the members of this cult, warrior cult, dress like eagles, adorning themselves with eagle feathers, wearing headgear with an eagle head on it, right? You know, with, with the helmet, the open beak helmet, right? So it was a wooden helmet with an open beak. So it looked like the warrior's kind of face was coming out of the, the mouth of the eagle, which is pretty freaking awesome. So just like kind of like the, the warriors of the plains, you know, the Native American warriors of the North American plains, the Aztec warriors, you know, they had feathers. Their, their, their battle garb was adorned with eagle feathers. Okay. Images of eagle warriors are seen in many, many artifacts and pictures from Spanish observers. Remember, a lot of the stuff we learn about Aztecs came from the Spanish. And they're everywhere. So there are a lot of eagle warriors, okay? And remember, the Aztecs were, were engaged in war constantly. So there are a lot of opportunities for people, for a, a dedicated, skilled warrior to prove themselves, right? Plenty of opportunities. So there would be eventually, over decades of war, a lot of eagle warriors, okay? Um, both ag uh, Aguar, Aguar warriors. Who's an Aguar warrior? Both Jaguar and eagle warriors were full-time professional warriors full time in all caps I wrote in my notes full time so okay remember I said that pretty much like Aztec men were drafted 
at age 17. That is true, but they were part-time warriors, okay? Kind of like the National Guard. You know, if uh, any of my uh, my National Guardsmen out there listening, love you guys, man. So you know how you guys go to drill like once a week, uh, once a, uh, a month, and then for what, two weeks a year, something like that in the field? That's kind of like how the Aztec military was. Like, in times of really, really bad war, they could call on those commoners that they had trained back at the, when they were 17 to join the army, to go out and fight, right? And that gave them an opportunity to become Eagle or Jaguar warriors, okay? Not everyone could be them, so that's why the Aztecs only had a small portion of their army that was full-time, right? Because, I mean, they logistically could not support everyone being a full-time soldier, so only the Jaguar and the Eagles and, you know, the shorn ones and the upper echelon military guys were full-time, okay? So if you're a full-time warrior, if you're a Jaguar or an Eagle warrior, you had privileges that commoners did not have, okay? You could uh, drink alcohol, you could wear jewelry, which is pretty cool, right? Mad chains. I don't have like 30 chains on. I'll be looking like Mr. T. Mad jewelry, mad alcohol, and you can have mistresses, multiple women, multiple wives. You can have wives, right? And then on top of your wives, you can have mistresses because guess what? You earned it. <laughs> from, sorry, guys. Sorry, ladies. You earned it from fighting for the Aztec Empire and capturing many, many enemy soldiers for sacrifice and since you were doing good deeds for the gods and for your empire you deserved all the mistresses all the jewelry and all the alcohol that your little heart desired got it so guess who we're talking about now we're talking about the delta force of the aztecs the delta force the the cag the the seal team six the army rangers this, the Green Berets, we are the best of the best here. If the Jaguar Warriors and the Eagle Warriors are infantrymen, my fellow knuckle draggers, then the Shorn Ones are the Green Berets. Okay, so within the two elite warrior classes, there, were, there existed an even more select group of men known as the Ottomans and the Shorn Ones. The Ottomans were the elite shock troops. They were known, well, well known for their fierceness in battle. The Ottomans dressed in green or in red and lived in the king's palace. So there are very few of them, else they wouldn't be living up in the palace. <laughs> if, there are a lot of, if there are a lot of Ottomans, they're, they're, the king would not want them chilling in his palace, okay? Um, but the most elite, elite of all warrior classes, so that includes the Ottomans, the Jaguars and the Eagles were the shorn ones. They swore to never, and I mean never, retreat from a battle until victory or death. So they either won or they got cut down, but they weren't retreating, they weren't giving up. To be admitted to this class, a warrior had to capture at least six prisoners to perform and perform 20 acts of valor. That's pretty dope. <laughs> Six prisoners, that's a lot of people. And then 20 acts of, of courage. Kind of like 20 silver stars. So just imagine like, you know how people win like the bronze star and the silver star, you know, stuff like, you know, a military awards that they give out nowadays in the army at least. Just imagine having to get 20 silver stars and capture six enemy Germans. That's a lot. I mean, so th there was a very small number of shorn ones. 
Uh, the Shorn Ones wore yellow body armor. So their body armor was kind of cotton, like hardened cotton. Right, really thick, hardened armor. And they shaved their head, except for a short braid around the left ear. They painted half of their heads blue, and the second half was either in yellow or red. So have you guys ever seen Braveheart, where everyone was painting their faces? Those were the Shorn Ones, the Mexican version. But they had a short, uh, you know, their, their body armor, their haircut, and their adornment, right? What they wore in battle separated them from the rest of the army. So when you saw those guys, you knew like, oh, crap, here we go. We're fighting the Shorn Ones, man. I'm about to poop my pants. <laughs> I'm just going to go. You know what? I'm going to go back and guard the uh, supply train. I'll be right back, guys. Got to go. So you definitely don't want to fight them, all right? They're pretty scary looking dudes. So the Shorn Ones, so pretty much all the members of the high, uh, all the high ranking members of the Aztec army were Shorn Ones, right? The generals, the, the, the company commanders, like all the top brass, because in order to get to the top in the Aztec military, you had to kill a lot of people, capture a lot of people, and perform a lot of, a lot of acts of valor. So you were pretty much all Shorn Ones. So just think of it like, just think, you know, you know how people think about the officers in the, in the uh, military today. They weren't like that back then, okay? These officers were shorn ones. These were the real freaking deal, Holyfield, all right? These guys, if you led an Aztec unit, you were the best of the best for sure. You weren't. You didn't just get a college degree, a fancy piece of paper, and a few, you know, inflated awards on your, oh, was it an officer? Was it OER? Yeah, OER, all right? You actually had to back it up in battle by capturing soldiers, saving lives, slaying, all right, and fighting hard and never retreating. That's the only way to become a high-ranking commander in the Aztec military, and it's the only way to become a shorn one. I would probably be like a freaking Jaguar warrior or something. I don't know, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, I think that'd be my favorite one, the Jaguars. All right, so... Let's talk about Aztec military values, okay? What did the Aztec military value? We talked about it once. We talked about it twice. We're going to talk about it a third and final time. The Aztec warrior's mission in life was to take enemy prisoners. That's it. That's what they wanted. When they went out to battle, their goal was to capture as many people as they could. If they, if they had to kill you, fine. That was pretty sloppy. It was like a slap on the wrist. Like, come on, bro. Like, Bob, bro, really? You killed 20 warriors, bro? You're supposed to capture them. What do you not understand, right? So you definitely have to be on top of your game, all right? Um, so the main object, there are two main objectives in, in Aztec warfare, right? Two main, well, I want to say objectives. There were two main motivations that's a better word there are two main motivations uh behind aztec warfare two and actually the second one is combined right there are a few that combine. so first is political we talked about that in the beginning and the second is religious slash socioeconomic so there's really kind of three but we'll just come we'll just say two okay politically right politically the subjugation of enemy city states in order to exact a tribute from them and expand the power of the Aztec Empire. 
Okay, so let me turn this music down a little bit. So I want to make this point. If it was loud, sorry about that, guys. Um, exacting tribute, whether it be, you know, goods, whether it be slaves, servants, fruit, corn, maize, right, uh, fish, whatever their tribute. Whatever tribute was required from their kind of vassal states, it drove the Aztec economy. In order to f to field a gigantic army, this tribute and these 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 lower subjected city states, it they, they had to give tribute. So that was a political and an economic factor, right? So they had to exact tribute and expand Aztec power. Economic, which we just talked about, uh, just touched on. Through the expansion of more land and uh, and more tribute, it equaled more resources, right? And increased access to labor, right? So more land, more tribute equals more resources equals increased labor force. Aztec math, okay? The more you conquer, the more tribute you get, the more tribute you get, the more access you get to their resources, to their labor force, right? And to their land. Make sense? And you can put them, you know, you can put all those factors in different orders. You can put tribute first, then land, land first, and tribute, labor, then land. Doesn't matter. It all equals the same thing. Aztec power, right? Religious. Captives were necessary to satisfy sacrificing captives were necessary it was a necessary not even evil it was a necessary good for the aztec um empire now i know you know we're westerners right most of us listening so we have this concept that hu human life is sacred and it is right human life is sacred and then every life matters and everyone should be valued but that's not how the Aztecs thought, right? They looked at it as an honor, right? To be sacrificed for the gods. Like you were providing a purpose, a higher purpose, right? So it wasn't, it wasn't seen as like a brutal thing. It was like everyday life. Like, hey, yeah, that's normal. Like we're, we're sacrificing a thousand people today. Like that's normal because like to them and it's, it's brutal and it's bloody and it's violent to us, right? But, but we're soft, <laughs> Remember, we're pretty freaking soft, right? We got electricity, we got cell phones, we got the freaking internet. I'm able to talk in a microphone connected to the wall, which have some zippity zap electricity going to my thing where you can hear my voice. They didn't have any of that back then. So we're pretty soft. So in their head, in order to make sure that they didn't die of famine, because remember, they didn't have science. It wasn't like they had a bunch of scientists like, all right, so COVID comes from this and that and this and that, and we have a vaccine. No, if a bunch of people got sick with COVID, for instance, and died, they would be like, the gods are displeased. We need to sacrifice 100,000 people tomorrow in order to satisfy the gods so this COVID will go away. That's how they explained a lot of things, okay? It was a different society, a different world, and that was seen as 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 a crucial i mean a central pillar of aztec society of as of the aztec empire was human sacrifice the aztec valued how many enemies you captured alive not how many you killed the aztec religious rituals needed a constant supply of human sacrifices 
to keep their gods fed with human blood. There were thousands of gods and they all needed to be appeased and worshipped. In order for Aztec life to go on as normal and for them to keep conquering and keep uh, rising up to the top of their of their world, right, Mesoamerica, they had to keep all these deities satisfied and they did that by sacrificing people. The gods were ingrained in every aspect of Aztec life from uh, you know fertility to commerce to sleep to the wind to the weather you know the weather the wind the fish the birds gods controlled everything everything your health your love life your 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 ability to to live through a battle everything the gods affected everything they're ingrained in everyday life so this put the Aztec army in a constant state of warfare, okay? Because basically they needed to keep providing fresh meat to their gods. Well, that's kind of put kind of harshly. They needed to provide their gods with fresh human blood to feed them, to appease them. Usually the first action of a, of a new ruler, of a new Aztec ruler, was to announce a new military campaign, right? That's the first thing he did. And what this did was, it served the dual purposes of showing his ability as a leader, as a warrior. And it it also dissuaded rebellion. So if you know how it goes, when you get a new boss, right, you kind of test them, him or her, like to try to see poke and prod to kind of see what you can get away with. The Aztec ruler, they couldn't afford that. There are too many city states under them. So they had to announce immediately a new campaign to show their enemies. Hey, we're not playing around. All right. Just because there's a new uh new big dog on the block a new ruler a new boss it doesn't mean that you guys can goof off right and rebel um it also would provide a whole you know load of fresh bodies for the ruler's coronation ceremony remember everything was celebrated with human sacrifice so the crowning of new of a new ruler it needed fresh uh, enemy captives so this campaign would provide that Hopefully it went well, which usually it did, and they could bring back some people to sacrifice in honor of their new elected ruler. And the, the noble, a council of noblemen and, and priests elected the ruler. It was not necessarily by blood lineage, um, but, you know, obviously they picked from a pool of the noble class, right? It wasn't from a commoner. Commoners were not rulers of, in Aztec society. No way, no how. That would never happen. Okay. So, what are we talking about next? We're moving pretty fast through this, guys. I promise we don't have much left. Oh, maybe we did. Let me see. Check my notes. Let me check my palm pilot. All right. The flower war. This is, this is one of my favorite. This is going to be my favorite part. Because this is pretty dope. I think it's a really interesting concept um what is the flower war okay so the flower war was a ritual war fought between the Aztec triple alliance and its enemies and it was off and on but it started in the mid 1450s and it lasted it, no, it wasn't continuous right it was off and on and it stopped, obviously, once the Spaniards arrived in 1519. The enemy city-states 
of Taxcala, Huejo Cinco, and Cholula of the Pueblan Valley in central Mexico were the those city states were the main enemies of the Aztecs and the flower wars were conducted between those city states and the Aztec Triple Alliance, right? So the Aztecs weren't just one single tribe, it was a it was a mixture of three tribes that were allied together and they fought their enemies. The Taxcala, the Huejo Cinco, and the Cholula, right? Cholula. Um, those three, they fought against the Aztec Triple Alliance in the Flower Wars. Okay. And this is, this is kind of important to remember. The Spanish didn't take down the Aztecs by themselves, right? During the Spanish conquest of the Aztec Empire, the Taxcala allied with the Spaniards against the Aztecs. Because, I mean, they were fighting the Aztec in Flower Wars and getting the worst of it for generations. And they were like, yo, if someone comes into town and wants to team up with some of these powerful pale-faced men with these boomsticks with these weird these weird explosive devices and this hardest this hard steel armor if these like deities can't are coming from the ocean and they want to take down the aztecs who are we to stop them you know what i mean like who are we and they probably thought it was a message from their gods like hey team up with these white men they we sent them to take down the Aztecs, right? Our main source, our main source of information about the Flower War is from historians, ancient historians, right? They write that the Flower Wars lasted for four solid years, right? And the, you know, pretty much it was over once the Spaniards arrived, but it was really, really intense between 1450 and 1454. And during this time, the Aztecs suffered like the worst drought they had ever experienced. Actually, everyone in the Valley of Mexico were suffering from this massive drought, right? They could not get any rain and they needed rain to grow their corn and to irrigate their fields. So something was going on, something had to be done, right? This drought is not a good omen. That means someone's angry. And that someone, those someones, I should say, are the gods. Um, the drought led to a severe famine. So first comes drought, right? A drought is a lack of rain, for all you guys who don't know. A drought occurs when it doesn't rain for long periods of time, right? So the drought caused the fields to dry up, which caused people to suffer from hunger, which is called a famine. A famine is when there's no food and people are dying and dropping like flies because they're starving to death, right? So a f the famine led to many, many de uh, deaths in the Mexican highlands, right? So what happened? As a result, the flower wars began, right? It was a direct response to the famine. The priests got together, right? And they believed that the gods were, quote, angry at the empire. And to satisfy them, it was necessary to sacrifice many men and that this had to be done regularly. So all the priests got together. Even the enemy priests were like, okay, what do we need to do to stop this famine? We hate you. I hate you. You hate me. We hate each other. But this weather thing is bigger than all of us. What can we do to make sure that the gods remain satisfied so we can at least feed our people, so we can at least get, get water 
to our crops to feed our empires, right? The flower, the flower war. So the allies and their enemies agreed in what is later called the flower wars. And this was for their sole purpose of obtaining human sacrifices for the gods. The flower wars were very different than normal conflicts. Okay, very, very different. <laughs> it's pretty dope. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like this part is my favorite part of the uh, podcast because it really goes to show you like how how much religion played and ran their everyday lives. Like religion led to war. And that's why I was a, a, a religious studies major. It, it's it drives human behavior. It's so interesting, right? So this belief that the gods were not satisfied, that the gods were angry with with the situation, it led to the flower wars. And the flower wars were very, very different than traditional wars. And for, for a, a bunch of reasons, we're gonna go over a few right now. One, the armies met at a predefined date and place. The Greeks fought similarly, right? When, when the phalanxes of the, of say, the, of Sparta and Thebes were fighting, so say Thebes and Sparta were fighting, the Greek way of warfare was, okay, we're going to meet next week at 4 o'clock. You're going to bring 2,000 men, and we're going to bring 2,000 men, and we're going to see exactly who the bigger men are, all right? That's how the Aztecs fought their flower wars, okay? So armies met at a predefined date and place, these places were, they became sacred sites, all right? So they would go back to the same places over and over and over again. The combatants signaled the start of the war by burning a large um, pile of paper and incense between the two armies, right? So there was a huge funeral pyre, and it was uh, not a funeral pyre, but, you know, uh, uh, incense, paper, smoke. It was a ceremony, it was a ritual, right? Um,. The battle tactics tactics differed greatly from normal combat. Okay, typically in a real battle, Aztec armies used ranged weapons like slingshots, darts, stones, and arrows to weaken their enemy army from a distance. Just like Western warfare, right? You shoot them with arrows first, then you send in the knuckle draggers. The Aztecs fought the same way. Okay, but not in a flower war. In a flower war, the Aztecs didn't use ranged weapons at all. Screw that. We're not using ranged weapons. We're going to go mano y mano. No one's getting killed. We're going to try to capture you. Right? That's dope. <laughs> That's freaking dope. In flower wars, the Aztecs didn't use ranged weapons. And instead, they used weapons like the hungry wood. Remember we talked about the hungry wood? The wooden club with obsidian blades? They use those. These clubs required skill, and you had to get within hand-to-hand range of the enemy in order to utilize it, right? The use of these melee weapons allowed the Aztecs to display their individual combat ability, which was a huge aspect of the Flower Wars, to promote that individual glory, that individual showing of military prowess. And this is how Jaguar and Aztec, or Jaguar, J- uh, Jaguar and Eagle Warriors were made in the Flower Wars, right? This is really where you cut your teeth. If you were, an, uh, if you were as bad as you say you are, if you are a bad of a man, if you are a tough guy like you say you are, 
you're going to engage in a you're going to participate in these flower wars in these chaotic melees mano y mano equal numbers on either, on either side no one's going to get killed right now we're going to fight and we're going to see who comes out on top we're going to capture as many of you as we can and you're going to capture as many of us as we can and the and, and the losers are going to get sacrificed and that is how combat should be now personally but it's my opinion except for the sacrifice part <laughs> we're not sacrificing anybody all right um individual glory was key right flower wars were usually less lethal than normal ones and they involved fewer soldiers more soldiers were drawn from the nobility in the flower war so in regular war you're just taking a bunch of commoners and there was a small element of the nobility but nobility they wanted the glory for the flower wars, right? Just like rich folks, right? They want to come in when the, when, the, when the going's good and then leave when it's not, right? The nobles were like, we want to volunteer for the flower wars because we want to advance the reputation of our family. And we do this by capturing enemies and we do this by sacrificing enemies, right? Um, these traits allowed the Aztecs to engage in flower wars during any time of the year. So all these elements that made the flower wars different than traditional wars allowed the Aztecs to engage in more flower wars pretty much whenever they wanted. Okay. When it comes to a larger war, the Aztecs can't fight regular traditional campaigns whenever they want. That's just impossible. You know why? Because the Aztecs had to farm. They needed their commoners to farm, and there were certain months that were for farming. So from late autumn to early spring, the Aztecs could fight, right? They could do all their military campaigns from the late autumn to the early spring, right? Because Aztec citizens were needed for farming the rest of the year. The, the flower wars also differed because it, wasn't, it, it was a fair fight. Usually it wasn't a fair fight. Aztecs were just crushing people, you know, just ridiculous. You know, it was like the old uh, Patriots. Remember how the Patriots won all the Super Bowls? They would be like against a, a team, and they're like, "Yo, we all know you gonna win this game, right?" It was kind of like that. It wasn't really even fair. Like Alabama or Ohio State in college football, crushing people. Not fair, okay? Um, but the Flower Wars it was a fair fight. It's fair. It was about as fair as it was gonna get, at least. Uh, huh. Okay, flower wars. They could, but although the flower the flower wars were fair, they could be longer depending on, on the intensity of the conflict. Um, in in these rare cases, they could get deadly, but most flower wars weren't that long. Uh, dying in a flower war was considered more noble than dying in a traditional war. Dying in a flower war, man, I cannot talk. Dying in a flower war meant you were transported straight to heaven. Some scholars suggest that the flower wars served purposes beyond gaining sacrifices and combat training. Historian Ross Hessig believes that the flat quote, the flower wars were an efficient means of continuing a conflict that was too costly to conclude immediately. So the purpose was to really wear down the enemy's fighting forces so let's say that you wanted to fight a certain group of people you had to fight them you, you you had to continually fight them but there was a bigger badder threat somewhere else 
if you said, okay, man, let's do a flower war, that was a way to keep that war going without committing all your resources to the flower war, right? So you can then, the Aztecs, they would use that to kind of keep an enemy in place, right? To lock a to lock an enemy force in place and then go fight somewhere else. Does that make sense? So it's kind of like in World War II, how the allies, they sometimes they would stage fake invasions, like mock invasions to tie down German or Axis forces in certain areas. And then they would really put the main invasion force and they, they would divert them to a different place. That was the point. So the Germans would be forced to divert resources to guard against that mock invasion, that mock attack, because they had to honor it, right? Let me give you another example. <laughs> uh, this is just for me as, as a sports fan. The play action pass in football. If your team is a really good running team and you're running it down the, uh, the opposition's throats, if you play action, if you fake like you're giving it to the running back and you really pull back and throw the ball, the linebackers in the, in, in the, in the secondary, they have to respect the run. So they have to come up a little bit. That allows you to throw over the top. So the Aztecs engage in these flower wars, right? The tie down, let's say they had a pretty medium power enemy. They tie them down and tie them down in a flower war. They slowly drain their resources, right? So they're beating up the, their strongest warriors because the enemy force, they're going to only commit their strongest warriors to the flower war. They're, they're not going to commit their scrubs because guess what? That'd be dishonorable. So they, they commit their special forces to the flower wars. Meanwhile, the Aztecs are, are capturing and sacrificing their, their best soldiers while also fighting another enemy at the same time. Make sense? I think I hope that made sense. I just saved you guys like 10 minutes of boring bullet points. <laughs> All right. Yeah, definitely. So one of the an, another uh, another advantage was say the Aztec marched on you with this huge army with death whistles and drums and jaguar warriors and eagle warriors and like 100,000 of them. You would just be like, yo, F this. We're going to run to our back and fortify ourselves in our town. The Aztecs hated that. Like, they did not like fighting people who didn't want to fight. They did not like fighting enemies who were defensive. They liked offensive enemies. So they were like, nah, you know what? We're not going to march on you. We know every time we march on you with our squad, you're going to run. You're going to run and hide behind your little, your little fences. So, you know, we're just going to engage you in a flower war and just beat you up. Just bleed you dry over the years. We're just going to bleed you. Little cuts here. Death by a thousand cuts. By the time we're done with you, you're not you're not gonna have any special forces left because they're all gonna be sacrificed to our gods. God darn it. Okay. Real quick, this is the last part of the Aztec podcast. Let's talk about their military structure, right? So, famous author and historian John Paul in his book Aztec Warrior, AD 1325 to 1521, wrote that the Aztec had the ability to raise massive armies numbering in the six figures. They had the ability to amass both food and resources. So it that was very rare in ancient times. Fielding huge armies was a testament to the Aztecs' mastery of farming, land rec uh, reclamation techniques, reclamation techniques, storage-based infrastructure, and training institutions. They had the facilities to have many supply depots and what these supply depots did was they helped 
sustain a huge army while they're on campaign. Remember I said in the beginning, in order to field these huge armies, they had to have their supply and logistics in order, and they had that for sure. The armies were divided into units of 8,000 men. Each unit could function independently as a sort of mini army, kind of like the, the uh, Roman legions, right? You could break off pieces of the legion and send them on side missions. You could do the same thing with the Aztec, with the Aztec army. These, uh, these mini armies were capable of fighting on their own. They could pin down enemy forces or they could maneuver around enemy positions, right? To get positions of advantage. The Aztec war machine focused on entrapment as opposed to traditional tactic of choosing a battlefield. So like in the medieval days, the goal was to choose a battlefield that that gave you the advantage. So the high ground, if you can get the high ground, if you can get a wooded area to defend against a large enemy, medieval armies would always look for advantageous terrain. The Aztecs didn't do that. What they did, they used maneuver. They used flexibility and maneuver to encircle their enemies and outmaneuver them on the on the battlefield rather than picking a battlefield sitting there stagnant and waiting for your enemy to come to you they came to you right they came to you instead of you coming to them wait yeah they came to you instead of you coming to them and then they would encircle you and cut you to pieces they favored using flexible maneuvers that require signaling and communications AKA outsmarting their opponents with positioning rather than needing good terrain. So it's kind of like jujitsu, right? You defeat your opponent, your opponent with technique, positioning, leverage, cardio, superior understanding, your mental, right? Not all physical strength. The Aztecs were all about that. Although they did have the physical strength and the manpower, they preferred to outmaneuver you and just crush you that way. They use smoke signals and even mirrors, so they help, that helped with communications over long distances. Signals were based on a relay system, so they had runners that were spaced at equal lengths along the front lines, and they would communicate using runners. And then once battles started, the commanders would signal using their, their ornamental standards, so like their battle standards, each unit had their own standard, right, their big flag, and they would communicate with that with drums and horns. Drums and horns would, would synchronize the different units so they could communicate, hey, send this mini army this way, send this mini army to flank, and they would use horns and drums to communicate to each other, which is, which is way ahead of their time in that area. Other armies were using it in other areas, but in Mesoamerica, the Aztecs were it. That was it, man. They were the best. We talked about, so what did we talk about today? We talked about the Jaguar Warriors, the Eagle Warriors, the Shorn Ones, the Ottomans, communications, right? Aztec logistics, the Flower Wars, right? What came behind that? Why they were fought? And kind of, we talked about the reputation of the Aztec Empire as a highly disciplined, highly organized, fully functional war machine. That's what they were. Okay, we're going on a, an hour and eight minutes. I love the Aztec Empire. I wish I could talk to, about them forever, but we must move on to the North American Plains. The Comanche are next. Thank you so much for joining me. I love and appreciate you guys. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, 
Let me know. Message me. Please rate and review if you have time. God bless you. Stay safe. Ape.